Okay, we're here today to talk um, about hydration and fueling specific to Ultra Trail Australia, which is in the backyard here. Um, and we're with Daryl from Coda Nutrition, who is a partner of the race today and very passionate about helping athletes nail their hydration and nutrition for race day. Um, so we're going to go through some really important things for UTA runners of all levels to know so that they can maximise their experience and performance on the day. Um, so Daryl, I think the first thing we want to talk about is hydration. Yes, and it's very important for this particular race, particularly if you're out, for, out there for a long time. And anything to do with hydration or nutrition or fueling, the longer you're out there, the more important it becomes. Yeah. Um, because we're limited by what our stomach can process. And for these sort of events, we're always going to lose more than our stomach can process. So it's about understanding what you're losing, how much you're losing, and then how much your stomach can tolerate um, at elevated heart rate. Absolutely. And there's a lot of varying conditions and circumstances that would make that unique to everybody and even unique to this race. Um, we were discussing before off camera the fact that Ultra Trail Australia starts often in four or five degree temperature and can reach up to mid twenties down in the Megalong Valley um, later in the race. So you've often got a 20 degree variable in this course, which is quite a unique thing to have, in a, especially in an ultra, um, that creates some unique challenges for athletes to have to manage. So, you know, what advice can you give to runners about responding to that difference and how their bodies will perform differently in those different temperatures. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're right with variables. Um, it's not just the temperature that you're ex going to experience over those from, cool, from cold to warm to cold again. Um, it's also the amount that the athlete loses as well in regards to how much sweat or the volume of sweat they lose. Yeah. Everyone will lose different amounts. So they need to drink, drink different amounts. The amount of sodium they lose in their sweat varies massively between individuals. So that needs to be um, something that needs to be addressed as mm -hmm. well. So um, it's not just do this one thing and it's going to work for everyone because as you mentioned, with the colder conditions, if you're not sweating much, you don't need to drink much. And a big problem with a lot of athletes at this particular event, when it is cold in the morning, is that they feel they need to be drinking a lot all the time. Mm. Now, if it's cold and you're not sweating much, you don't need to drink much. As it starts to warm up and the day starts to increase in temperature and you start to sweat more, then you start to increase the volume of fluid. Right. So adjusting the amount you drink is gonna be very important because if you're drinking too much, you're just gonna compromise the stomach. Mm. And whether that's just really severe cramping, which affects how fast you can run, or how fast you can move along the trail, um, but also, um, you know, it could be vomiting or diarrhoea and all those sorts of things, which you you want to try as hard as you can to avoid. Absolutely. The stomach is the single most important organ in the body during these endurance events. You compromise the stomach, you're just going to slow down. So um, that understanding that the amount of fluid that you drink is going to change based on the weather conditions that you're experiencing at the time. So the, the, biggest, um, the biggest point there is don't lock yourself into a set volume of fluid every single hour mm. because it's going to be at some point too much and other times not enough. 
Yes. So that's something that's really important for this sort of event. So I guess not having that cookie cutter approach where you read the chart and it says you should drink this much fluid this often, but instead having a bit more of a responsiveness to the conditions is what you're saying as well. Yeah. And understanding um, the role that your sweat, the salt in your sweat plays in that as well. So would you recommend people run with plain water or obviously we're losing salt, so how would you manage the salt? Yeah, well on that point about um, how much you need to drink, it's based on how much you're losing at the time. Mm. So um, what I would uh, suggest is that when, at, when the runners are going out to do a run, is that they do pre and post weight. Mm. So they get an understanding of how much sweat they're losing in different uh, temperatures. That way, when they get to race day, they're not guessing yeah, about how much they need to drink. Yeah, and we did that this morning. So yeah. um, myself and Scott went out for a run and we did the exact same run and, and measured our, our, our sweat loss. And yeah. Scott lost nearly two kilos of sweat and I lost 200 mils. Yes. So it's, yeah. it's very telling to show what unique bodies we have and how if we don't understand these things about ourselves. Absolutely. You know, we can suffer in a race and, and seemingly not know why. That's right. So, you know, in that, in that scenario, your sweat rate or the volume of sweat you lost was very low. Mm. Um, where Scott was, it was higher, but still I've seen a lot higher in those sort of conditions. Uh, it was 1.8 litres for the hour. Yours was 200 mils or mm. 0.2. Um, if you were drinking the same volumes of fluid, if you were locked into the same volume, you're obviously going to get way too much mm. and you're going to compromise the stomach. Whereas Scott needs to drink an amount where he can, he's not going to replace all the losers. It's impossible mm. to, to, to consume that much while you're running. So he would aim for probably around about 750 mils an hour. Okay. Because, you're, because the stomach is even more compromised when you're running. It's like a washing machine. Mm. So the amount you could drink if you were recycling or something like that is a lot greater. With running, you need to be really mindful that um, it, it's, it's a little, little bit more limited. Yeah, absolutely. So you need to find out what that volume is that you can comfortably tolerate each hour. Yes. Um, and so then you mentioned the sodium concentration yeah. as well, which ranges massively between individuals. Um, so some are going to need a lot more sodium than others and some are going to lead it way more than others. Yes. So having that understanding as well, um, when you're addressing your needs during these type of events, particularly over multiple hours, the better you can address your needs each hour, the better that you're going to get to, or the more likely you're going to get to the, to the finish, running the pace you want to run without having the issues that are quite common with these type of endurance events. Yeah, that was really fascinating this morning to understand um, I guess the volume of salt that's in my sweat um, mm. as well and knowing that that was quite high like cramping and um, yeah I guess those issues for me do occur in really hot races and now to understand why that is the case and also chatting to you about how much salt I've been intaking in my races especially the ones where I've come unstuck um, and understanding that I'm well below what I need to be has been a bit of a game changer and, and quite enlightening to me like I was really surprised by that and I imagine that there's a lot of runners out there who are taking in way too little salt would you would you agree with what you see and who you speak to yeah I've done over 1500 tests measuring the sodium concentration of athletes sweat 
Um, and it's the reason why um, you know, I've developed a, a tablet that has, has no sugar, there's no calories. Yeah. So um, in some cases, an athlete will might take just one tablet in a, in a flask or a bottle, whereas some athletes might use two or three. So that way you can address your needs. Okay. There's gonna be times where some athletes will just tolerate the conditions much better than others and it's simply because they're not losing as much yes. and they can manage their losses better. So when you know, there's an athlete at the side of the, of the uh, trail might be cramping or something like that, mm -hmm. it's a very good indication that they haven't been getting enough sodium. Okay. Um, and the amount of times that we've been able to solve cramping issues has been that sodium component. They're thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm getting enough um, and I don't know why this is still happening, but um, when you do the test and you see how much they're losing, they immediately recognise that, okay, I, I see where I've been, you know, maybe not yeah. addressing my needs as well as I could, where, you know, in different conditions, in cooler conditions, they're not experiencing those and they're thinking, okay, I've nailed it now. Mm. But if it's 15 degrees warmer, where their sweat rate increases and the accumulative amount of sodium they are losing increases, they're getting those troubles and they go, okay, so what's different? I've done exactly the same. Why am I experiencing these issues again? Yeah, so, bringing it back to that responsiveness, right? Yeah. The, the As the temperature changes, mm. your needs change from a hydration perspective. Yes. And yeah. I, I do remember before I understood this about my sweat and doing the sweat testing, I do remember you giving me the quick fix of if I started to cramp to put some shots tablet just directly under my tongue. And, and how effective I've seen that work, where I've had the early stages of twitching and cramps mm. in a race, and I've, I've managed it by just trying to get some sodium into me quicker than, than yeah. drinking, by yeah. putting it under my tongue and just leaving it there to let it dissolve. And I've noticed that my cramps have just backed right off and gone mm. away. And maybe I've had to repeat that throughout the race, but doing the sweat testing today and talking about this um, in depth a little bit more has made me understand the science behind why that works and that yeah. makes it really helpful to when you can understand why you're doing something it's mm. much easier to do it when you're out there in the race yeah when you got those numbers to look at yeah absolutely. so yeah so i think what it's highlighted in the past is probably you haven't been getting enough sodium so you've been going for that quick fix so mm. if you're addressing your needs properly you're less likely to even get those twinges so putting more in the water Just, to start yeah. with and then you're not looking for that quick fix mm. if you're addressing your needs properly you should be able to maintain that pace that you want to run at um, and not have the issues that are going to slow you down because that's the whole thing. You want to get through this and enjoy it as much as possible. Mm. It's the enjoyment of recognising the time that you've set mm. and not at the side of the trail vomiting or cramping and all these things that slow you down that are so frustrating. Mm. So if you can address those things and have a good understanding of what you need before you even get to the event and a good time to start right now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. when you've got a good, lot of time to, to work on mm. and especially if you're going to experience those mid-20s that you can along the mega long section there, um, you know, if it is extraordinarily warm and it can get warm in May, then you want to know what your losses are so you can address them at that point. Absolutely. Because if you're not, it's going to show up later on and that last 20 or 30 Ks are going to be a lot harder than they have to be. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to talk about um, fueling in a second, yep. but just in terms of when things do become hard because you've made a mistake with your hydration, 
say you, you do get yourself into that situation where you're, you're cramping and yeah. your gut's gone funny because you've either had too much or not enough fluid. Mm. I think, you know, working with UTA for many years now and having run it myself, you do see a lot of people who withdraw from the race um, who potentially did so because they didn't know how to manage a situation like that in their body and continue on. So do you have any advice for runners who've maybe made these mistakes with their hydration and how, especially within an ultra, yeah. they could adapt and get through that? Yeah, well, at, at a lot of the time, you know, it might be five or six or seven hours into a race and that's when the, the issues might, you know, pop up, whether it's stomach issues or cramping or whatever mm. it might be. Um, and a lot of time it, it's, they're under the impression that's something they've just taken. But most likely it's something that they've done over those um, hours prior yeah. that lead up to that point. So I relate to that. You always yeah. blame the last thing you're you blaming did. the last yeah. thing you've taken. <laughs> so whether it's a gel or a bar or whatever it might be, you're like, yeah. damn, why did I take that for? Well, it was unlikely, it was just that one thing, it was what you've done prior to that. Mm. Whether it was too much of something or not enough of something. Um, but if you if you are experiencing um, any issues, it's just it's, it's really just managing that and say, okay, can I still walk? Mm. Can I still keep moving? Or is it so painful that I just have to stop for a few minutes, let it just relax. Um, you know, from a stomach, it's just a matter, it's a matter of just letting it clear. Mm. And that could be just a slow walk, or you might just stop for a few minutes and go, okay, I'm ready to go, or just start slowly and I'll slowly ease into it. Now, mm. what haven't I been addressing? What have I been doing wrong here that's, that's caused this? What do I need to change? you can make some changes mm. um, so it might be that uh, you know you get to a, an age station it might be that you need something savory because um, you're sick of something sweet mm. um, it might be just something and so just you know even it takes half an hour to clear or 45 minutes or whatever it might be it's much better that you lose 45 minutes than not finish something that you've yeah. that you've started so from a cramping perspective um, nine times out of ten it's going to be that you've drunk way too much plain water and you've diluted the sodium concentrations of your, of your blood. Yes. Um, and you haven't addressed your needs properly. So that way it might be at, your, at, a, at a station where you can get extra sodium into you and make sure that you increase that. And it's amazing how quickly it reacts. Yes. Um, it, it's almost instantane, in, instantaneous that you get a, um, a good response from increasing amount of sodium. Okay. Um, very rarely is it that you've had too much mm. because it's, um, it's a mineral that we have a, a real battle trying to replace the amount we lose and some have, some athletes have a much harder time trying to replace how much we lose, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's really important for people to understand because I, I even know myself, you, you can feel pretty sick when, you, when your gut goes and it's mm. pretty hard to imagine that in just half an hour or 45 minutes, you can be okay and ready to go again. So I think yeah. it's good to understand that if you take that time and obviously being aware that if you do need to stop trying to walk slowly to an aid station where you can stay warm, especially in UTA, if you're doing it at night is, is a sensible thing to do. So managing things around that, but taking that time and just trusting that your gut is something that can be managed. It's not a deal breaker and you just have to keep being intuitive and responsive. So can you give some people some insight into nutrition, how to, how often they should have it, what kind of fuel and why, yep. and how they learn the unique um, environment of their own body 
and manage their nutrition to suit that. Yeah, that's a good point because we're all different. I mean, you use different amounts of fuel. And you know, from a nutritional fueling perspective, it's about you know, food. We eat food for energy. Um, so the type of foods that you eat when you're running need to be very different than what we normally eat during the day because we're at elevated heart rate um, and our stomach is a lot more vulnerable when we're running logistically because it's like a washing machine. Mm. So understanding that um, you're not going to ever replace what you lose. Mm. But firstly, with fueling for an event of this duration, we need to know our calorie expenditure, or how many calories we're expending each hour. And a calorie is just a unit of, en unit of energy. So how many units of energy are we expending running at a certain speed? Um, it's not based on how much you weigh, it's based on how fast you're running. Okay. So there's a lot about, you know, if I weigh this much, this is how much I need. Well, if someone who's 60 kilo is running 14 hours and someone who's 60 kilo is running 20 hours, they're not gonna need the same amount of fuel. The, run, the runner who's running, at 14, who's running for 14 hours is gonna need a lot more fuel each hour than the athlete that's running for 20 hours. Yes, so simply because the, Simply, it, it's because it's nothing to do with how much they weigh, it's the intensity that they're running at, exactly. Mm. So the first thing you have to do is you need to go, right, I'm running 100 kilometers and I wanna run it in 20 hours. That's my goal. I'm gonna be really happy if I can do 20 or under 20 hours. So to run 20 hours, 100 kilometers, you gotta average five kilometers an hour, which doesn't sound like it's super fast, but over 20 hours, it's, it's a fair pace. It's a lot of stairs, yeah. It is a lot of stairs, a lot of climbing. So you gotta take that into consideration. There's a lot of elevation over this mm. event. So at five kilometers an hour, how many calories am I expending? Now this is where your heart rate monitor comes into it because that's your fuel gauge. That's telling us how much fuel or how many units of energy we're expending each hour. Okay. So that's your calorie expenditure. So at five kilometers an hour, your average heart rate might be 120 to 130. Um, and you're burning, let's say hypothetically, 400 calories an hour. So you go, okay, well, I, know, I know my fuel now. I know that I'm expending 400 calories an hour. Now, the key is to work out then over 20 hours, multiply that 400 by 20, that's 8,000 calories that you're expending over those 20 hours, which is a massive amount of calories. It's a lot, absolutely. It's about three days worth of food for a normal person. Wow. So now we have an understanding of what we're gonna be losing or expending each hour. So what we need to work out now in our training is what, what can my stomach comfortably tolerate if I'm, if I'm expending 400 calories? Because it's not going to be three days worth of food, that's no, for sure. No, exactly. Mm. We, we, we're always, there's always going to be a gap between your calorie expenditure mm. and how much your stomach's able to, to consume or process. So let's say, hypothetically, it's 150 to 200 calories. Yeah. And you're sort of aiming for that range. Once again, you're not replacing all that you lose, but you're minimising that percentage of loss. Sure. And that's the mm. best you can do. You can't do any better than that. We want to consume an amount that's going to keep us active and being able to keep those legs moving at that pace, but not too much that it's going to compromise the stomach and we end up on the side of the trail 
you know, buckled over. Mm. And as soon as you get those stomach issues, it changes your gait, it changes the positioning, your body positioning, everything, and it slows you down. And importantly, it changes the psychology, your headspace. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And you and you want to be comfortable. You want to. It's got to be, you know, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a challenge, mm. absolutely. But it's still got to be enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah. And vomiting and diarrhea and stomach issues and cramping, it's not enjoyable. No. So we need to do as can much as confirm. we can. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to do as many things as we can in preparation to avoid those things. And we want to get as many people across that finish line as possible. Okay, so in terms of our runners, we've got a lot who are new. Yeah. So very simply, how do they figure out what they need? Yeah, so that simply is they need to know. Yeah, their heart rate. Well, yeah, so then firstly, what time they want to run. Mm. 20 hours, 15 hours, 12, 13, yeah. whatever it might be. You know, at um, 15 hours, seven and a half kilometers an hour, mm -hmm. they need to average. So um, obviously their calorie expenditure is going to be a bit more than that person who's running at 20. So they, they might be looking at 200 to 220 calories an hour. So it's having that understanding first of what your calorie expenditure is and using that heart rate monitor and seeing, right, and, and a lot of people use that heart rate monitor, they look at their heart rate zone and all that sort of stuff, but now it's a fuel gauge. Mm. They know what or how many units of energy they're expending each hour. And the, the watches will often tell you that as well, won't they? Now yeah, they'll tell you you've yep. burnt this many calories. It'll tell you, so if you go out for a four hour run mm. and you've burnt 1600 calories, you know that that's 400 calories an hour. And that's your starting point. And, and then yeah. you take that into training and you start to expect, because I know personally, I did this the hard way. I didn't use this science and I, re I regret that. But I have figured out, I think pretty much figured out my fueling yep. now off the back of a lot of like years of trial and error. Mm. And for me in an ultra, I tend to take 110 calories every 40 minutes right. or so. Um, I think I'd benefit from having a little bit more, but I have a really sensitive stomach. Um, I've never been able to even take that much until I was using this product, which does seem to sit better with me. Um, so the, the real game changer for me was using it in training and, and practicing in some of my, I guess, less important or less goal races and seeing how it went and then constantly calibrating that. So would you, recommend that people be doing this in training and, and trying to dial in what works for them because there is a, there is the numbers to work off but then there's probably things going on in our bodies that unless we try something we won't know. 100% um, and you're spot on there we will all have different numbers when it comes to our sweat rate the sodium concentration in our sweat how many calories we're expending mm. but then with our digestive system there is hundreds hundred, hundreds of millions of neurons mm. Our digestive systems are so different. You know, some can tolerate more, less, different types of ingredients. Um, so this is why it's really important to consume foods that um, meet that science as well. Mm. The understanding that um, the stomach is super important. It's the single most important organ in the body when we're competing in an endurance event. So um, you're spot on, practicing what works best for you, mm. not what your best friend said, I'll do this because you know, it's, it works for me. It's what works for you because there's 7 billion of us on the planet and yeah. every single one of us are different. Yes. None of us are, are alike. So get your numbers, map out a plan, then go practice it. 
and then calibrate it yeah. to, like pursuant to the real life feedback that you get in yeah. your training. That's, um, that's really good advice. I think the other really interesting thing for people to understand is that not all calories are equal in terms of what that calorie is. So what this product is um, and why you designed it to be what it is yeah. in terms of consistency and the kind of sugar you use. Um, understanding that your, your stomach, your gut is compromised when you're, you're racing and you're, and, and you're nervous. So yeah, even absolutely. before the race, yeah. you can be quite nervous and so your stomach is not necessarily able to process or intake or digest things as it normally would. Hmm. Um, so you often see a lot of people come unstuck in races and I've spoken to them and said, oh, well, what were you eating? And they're like, oh, well, I was having trail mix or nuts or, you know, donuts or, or whatever. And I can look at that with what you've taught me and what I've learned and understand why that may have not benefited them. Mm. Um, so I think it would be really interesting to hear the science behind why this is the way it is. Yeah. Well, the, the, the first thing um, when you say about practicing in training is make as many mistakes in training as possible. Yes. Um, that's, that's the number one point there. <laughs> so, because you don't want to make mistakes on the day. Absolutely. Because you, if, you can, if you can lessen those mistakes, then you're going to have a much better day. It's going to be a lot more enjoyable. But yeah, so in regards to the actual products itself, so from a fueling perspective, what we do differently here is we separate your energy and your hydration. So we don't, we don't drink calories. Yes. Because drinking calories locks you into a set volume. Yes. And we talked about the different temperatures that you experience at UTA. You're gonna to have to be changing the volume of fluid that you drink based on how much you're losing, which is gonna be different to everyone, but the environmental conditions, as the temperatures change, you adjust the volume of fluid you drink. Yes. So we don't compromise the stomach. So that's why we separate. Plus- Much simpler to manage too. Much yeah. simpler. And if you, have a, if you do have a higher sodium concentration in your sweat, if you feel like you get crusty and, um, the idea of that is with the electrolyte tablets, is that you can add more tablets mm. to address your own needs. Yes. You know, some, it, some uh, runners might be one tablet, some might be two, some might be three in a, in a small bottle. Um, but addressing your needs will allow you to um, realize your, your goal that you've, that you've set. Absolutely. Um, so from, a, from the energy perspective, you've got a combination of gels and bars. Now, all of these products have been specifically designed to be gentle on the stomach. Okay. Um, so this gels next year will be 25 years old. Wow. So the whole idea about- That particular gel's 25 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one's 25 years old, yeah. Dude, it's lasted well. The formula, it has. The formulation is 25 yeah. years old. So the whole idea about um, understanding calories and what you're consuming Firstly is the energy to volume ratio. Mm. And what that means is whatever amount of calories that you've decided is gonna work best for you and what your stomach can, can tolerate is the amount of energy and the, and the amount of volume that your stomach needs to tolerate. So in this regard, it's 33 mil volume and there's 117 calories. So basically what that means is that it's a large amount of calories but in a small volume, less likely to upset the stomach. Okay. The second thing is thermic effect. And what that means is you wanna be consuming a food that requires the least amount of energy and is not drawing blood away from the active muscles to the stomach. So in gel form, 
it's similar to chyme, which all food is converted to in the stomach through the digestive process. Mm. Now, in this liquid semi-fluid form, the stomach already recognises it. So it bypasses all those normal digestive system or digestive processes. Um, so it has a very low thermic effect and enters the bloodstream very quickly as glucose, which the muscles can, and muscles and brain, importantly, for trail running, mm. um, can, can access. And the second, uh, sorry, the third thing is low sensory impact. Now, at elevated heart rate, our senses are heightened. So anything that's mildly disturbing at, at, at uh, resting heart rate is incredibly disturbing at elevated heart rate. That's so true. <laughs> so it's got to be something that you can consume and not really have to think about too much. Mm. You know, this, uh, anything that slightly upsets you will be super annoying at elevated heart rate. So um, there's, the, there's non-caffeinated and there's caffeinated mm. uh, options. Um, do you want to get into the caffeine option? Or? Well, what I'd like to add, I definitely, yeah. um, because... You know, having worked with a lot of runners myself, I do, I've do. i seen that both benefit and bring people unstuck. So yeah. I think it's a really cool thing to talk about. But one thing I wanted to quickly touch on in regards to the gels is the sugars. Yeah. Um, so obviously glucose is the easiest thing to absorb when we're, when we're exercising. Yeah. We can take it in through membranes in our mouth, through the membranes in our stomach. Like it, it's, it uptakes really quickly and easily. Um, so in terms of the sugar that you use and, and why you've done that, I think that's interesting for people to understand. Yeah, for sure. So there's no refined crystalline form sugars. So it's not, it's not heavily processed. Basically what it is, it's a maltodextrin, but there's about 150 different crates of maltodextrin. Wow. So um, with this particular maltodextrin, it's a high grade premium maltodextrin that has no refined crystalline form sugars. Okay. Now, as you come down that list and the cheaper the uh, maltodextrin, the more refined processed sugars are added okay. to keep the price down. Um, and that's where you have your crystalline form fructose and all that sort of thing, which can bring a lot of athletes unstuck. And that makes sense because you do hear, and I've heard lots of people say that they can't do gels. Gels upset my stomach, mm. gels irritate my gut. And I think, I think it's important to highlight that not all sugars are equal and thus not all gels are equal. So it's really important that people understand yeah, their labels and, and if they've had trouble with gel in the past it's not necessarily going to be the case yeah you're spot on not all gels mm. are the same exactly so it, it comes down to being mindful of the demographic that you're providing a product to sure um, and once again being mindful that the stomach is the single most important organ in the body mm. um, cardiovascularly and respiratory you've worked on that you can't do any more about that. You've conditioned yourself to run that pace you want to run. The stomach is something that you can upset very easily. Mm, um, and having that understanding that um, the foods that you put in, uh, there's science behind it. Mm. And like I say, it's that energy to volume ratio, thermic effect, low sensory impact. And low sensory impact is it's less likely to upset the stomach. And having that understanding that it's a high premium maltodextrin, like mm. it's a high um, fuel, um, a lot of athletes who have tried the gel, who have had problems with others, tolerate these just fine. Yeah, and that's definitely been my experience as well. Mm. Um, UTA is a, a race that attracts a huge 
spectrum of abilities because it's a, a very well supported race. Mm. So we have lots of runners that are out there for 20, um, 22, 30 hours, some of mm. them. So who I guess are at, at a pace that they are going to get hungry. So the front, the front of the pack probably can run the whole race just on gels and maybe a bar, um, athlete food. But there's a lot of people out there who are going to come into the aid stations, and I think UTA's got some of the best aid stations sure. you'd see. It's, it's pretty yeah. much a buffet. Um, but I think that's also a place where people can come unstuck if they make bad choices. And there's not necessarily mm. bad food out there, but in terms of understanding what they're doing with their body. So are they going to go and hit a hard run section mm. straight after that aid station? Or So what would you recommend people to consider when they're coming into an aid station. I mean, I'm asking this question because in my experience, I remember once I took a gel on the clock, not long before I came into an aid station and then came in and saw something really appealing. So I ate that and then my crew had Coke. So I downed a cup of Coke as well. Mm. And I essentially over-caloried myself yeah. enormously and, and spent a good period of time after that trying to correct the problem <laughs> and, and being that person on the side of the trail that you yeah. spoke about before. Yeah. So do you have any advice for people about, you know, just cautionary? And yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the first thing, there's no right or wrong. Mm. Um, it's about individual personal preference. Um, but if, you're, if you've set a certain amount of calories each hour, and, and importantly, those amount of calories don't change. It's going to be a set amount of calories each hour, whether it's four degrees or 24 degrees. Mm. The thing that will change is the amount of fluid that you drink. So that calorie is it, it's consistent all the mm. way through because you're burning the same amount of calories or should be all the way through. Um, in regards to what you should eat, you're spot on. Don't try and think, well, actually, I didn't, I, I missed the last age station or I haven't been eating well. Don't try and then overcompensate mm. by eating too much because it's just going to compromise the stomach because um, it's already vulnerable. Um, if you see something that you think, oh, actually, I feel like that, at, you know, just try a small amount, but don't eat it all at once. Just grab it and then eat smaller amounts along the way. Um, just be mindful that the stomach is, once again, vulnerable. Mm. Um, so do, just have smaller amounts and don't just smash everything down trying to make up for maybe things you've missed yeah. prior. Small it's amounts. Smaller amounts, yeah. more often. Yeah. Take that pressure off the stomach. Mm. Um, and that, that's probably the best thing. In, in regards to what that is, whether it's some chips or a banana or a bit of cake, mm. um, Danish or whatever it might be, um, don't try and down the whole thing. That, yes. that's, the, that's the biggest um, mistake. Take your time. Take that. smaller amounts along the way and just enjoy it yeah. as you would normally. And easing back into the run after it, I think, is a good piece of advice as well. Yeah. I know for me that after I've hit something a little bit heavier in some of the races where I've had to go slower and I want to get some food in. Mm. Allowing yourself 10 minutes after you've eaten it to build back up to pace has yeah. been really helpful for just respecting the fact that my gut's doing a little bit more than just processing a gel. You know, yeah, a gel sure. it can cope with really well, but yeah. if you're going to put solid food in, which sometimes is needed, yeah. then you have to respect your body's going to divert some blood to your gut to manage that and, right. and just be intuitive about that. Yeah. And in terms of troubleshooting, so for me, in that, um, in that moment after I'd realised I had made a terrible mistake, <laughs> um, I fortunately understood what I had done yeah. and I also had 
had enough experience to understand that I can come good and how to manage that. Yeah. So I knew I just had to give myself 20 minutes to slow down Your and to completely, yeah. like no water, no food, yeah. just let everything settle before I built again. Mm. Um, would you agree with that? Like, is there anything you'd add to giving people advice for when they have put too much fuel in? No, no, I think what you did, you know, sometimes it might take a little bit longer to clear. Mm. Sometimes it might only be 10 minutes. Yeah. But it's give yourself that chance. Um, and yeah, don't try not to make that mistake where you overindulge, which is hard too, because there's a lot of good food that's on course. Um, so in regards to what you eat, um, you know, whether it's, exclusively just gels, which a lot of athletes can just do gels, or it might be a combination of gels and bars, and then something you know, as a treat or something just a bit different. Um, but the most important thing is knowing what that number is, mm. whether it's 150 calories an hour, whether it's 200 calories an hour, whether it's 230 calories an hour, whatever it might be, aim for that each hour. Yes. Um, but then be mindful that the science behind it is that energy to volume ratio, thermic effect and the low centering impact. So it's got to be things that cover those things, that cover those areas. And don't overcompensate. Yeah. Because I think often as well, for me, if, I, if my stomach's a bit funny and I miss a gel or I miss some fuel, what happened that day was I got behind in my calories because my heart rate was too high, I was nervous, I couldn't get my fuel in. And then I settled and I started to come good and I could feel my stomach opening up. Mm. And so I tried to put more in to catch up. To try and make up. Yeah. yeah. You can't and it's make like up. medication. You, yeah. you don't do that. No. It's, and I think that's, yeah. especially for our new runners, mm. it's good to understand that because yeah. nerves play a huge role in your capacity to get fuel in. And Absolutely. Once you can get it in, just return to regular programming, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And we'll talk quickly about caffeine because um, it is something that you create three flavors of caffeinated gels. Yeah. They're, they're a good hit of caffeine, but there's ways to do it to help you and there's ways that can bring you a little bit unstitched if you do it wrong. So did you want to yeah, talk sure. a bit so, about that? Yeah, so we've put 80 milligrams of caffeine and I did a lot of research on caffeine. And the thing is, everyone will have a different response. Some athletes will not have any response at all to caffeine, mm -hmm. no matter how much you dose them oh, up. I feel so sad for that. Yeah, that, <laughs> so there's no, that there's no um, effect, effect mm -hmm. at all. Then there's some athletes who get a mild effect. They're like, oh yeah, that's, I can feel that, that's good. Um, and then there's others who just completely flip out mm. and they get a huge response from it. Um, now, the thing with caffeine is it doesn't actually give you extra energy. Mm. It alters the perception of how you feel. Okay. So those times where you start to feel like, why did I start this in the first place? I've still got 40 Ks to go. <laughs> you know, all those negative thoughts start to creep in that's when you start ca taking caffeine just to help with that just that uh, mental block that you yeah. might have and as you say you don't want to take it too early because you've set yourself a certain pace that you want to run and when you're on jacked up on caffeine the likelihood is that you're going to run at a much higher pace than you've set yourself for and what happens is you get to 60 70 k's and then it just all falls apart because you've, you haven't measured your effort. Mm. You've run at an intensity way beyond what you should have to that point. Absolutely. So it's about measuring your effort. Um, and caffeine can sometimes, it, it tricks you into thinking, I'm feeling way better. So I'm just going to go a bit faster here. And so that's why you don't want to take it too early. So it's the, the points of the race where 
um, you start to, you, you start to um, have that mental fatigue. Mm. Yeah. And also as it wears off, I guess, um, just your perception of your experience returning to normal as opposed to slightly elevated. If you're somebody mm. who experiences it in that way, mm. can be psychologically difficult halfway through a race if you've started too soon and you're feeling great yeah. and all that's happened is the caffeine's worn off and you've probably returned to a, a normal to level a normal of effort. State, yeah. But it, it actually just feels like a drop because yeah. you've had this slight false high. Yeah. So I think for me, I use it in the back end. And, and also not everybody, but for some people, too much caffeine can upset your stomach, right? Like Absolutely. some people have a really sensitive, particularly yep. bowel to, um, yep. to caffeine. So there's a good reason to protect your stomach from it to the end if exactly. you're gonna have it. But also psychologically, when your body starts to fatigue, I think it's just like another little secret weapon that you can take to oh, absolutely. save to the last yeah. minute. You know, yeah. some people will use all different things. They might have a favorite food or hmm. if they're allowed music on course, it might be listening to some music. And yeah. I think for me, it's often just saving the caffeinated gel for the last 10, 15 K to yeah. kind of, even if it had no physical effect, that psychological effect that it's different is well, really helpful. It's interesting you say that because a lot of athletes have said that when they take caffeine, they, they feel less pain. Mm, so I the pain that. they were feeling in their legs tends to, to go away. Absolutely. So, you know, there's things to, you know, whether it blocks that pain sensation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a stimulant. Mm. So, um, but there's times to use it and times not to. So. And again, that's something to be trialed in training. Trial in training, see you how your stomach tolerates day. it. See how you actually feel on it. Whether mm. it does give you that that boost that that some get, um, you may not need it. Yeah. And but then again, if you do and it works well for you, then that's a big advantage in that last, you know, section of the race. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about the gels, and one thing that I'd like to talk about because it's something that I really look forward to towards the end of a race is, um, and lots of people will be using these as their nutrition strategy from the beginning, is the bars that you produce. So I myself primarily run on gels and I do find after like nine or ten hours and I start to get a hunger that I can't ignore yeah. and so I'll have half a bar um, in place of a gel because it's the same calories roughly for half a bar as it is to a gel yeah. um, and it's been a real lifesaver for me many times even psychologically just mm. to feel like I've eaten something after ten hours of no solid food. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about why you developed the bars the way you did yep. and, and why they're useful as opposed to, you know, choosing to eat a Danish or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it will, it, it's, once again, it's about the stomach mm. and choosing ingredients that are less likely to, to upset the stomach. So with this, with this bar, it's a dairy-free, gluten-free, it's a vegan, so it covers a lot of areas that, you know, if people have, you know, food um, issues mm. or, or food, um, requirements mm. it covers that thing but importantly it's got a really nice texture it's easy to eat even at elevated heart rate mm. um, and it, it it covers that low sensory impact that That's you're eating lovely. and you're not going oh you know it, it's it's a, a good texture good mouth feel mm. but importantly very gentle on the stomach yes um, and what we've done with this bar is that it has a, a slice down the middle so it's two halves mm. So you're not having to break it off. It's a good amount that, you know, it's 200, around 200 calories from a bar, but you know, 100 calories that you can just get out of the packet and you can just chew on it. It's really um, 
like I say, it's easy to get down. Absolutely. Yeah. And for people who are potentially moving at a slightly slower pace, so the heart rate is a little bit yeah. lower, or that can mean that that hunger kicks Absolutely. in. So yeah. I, I often won't feel hungry for so long because my heart rate's so high when I'm racing. Yeah. But as I fatigue, I slow down and yeah. the hunger kicks in. Yeah. So lots of people are managing that much earlier on in the race because they've got different goals. Um, so would you recommend that alternating perhaps or? Yeah, absolutely. Or you, you know, there's, and like I said before, there's no right or wrong. Mm. So it could be a combination of both. It could be just gels or just solids. Sure. And if you're going at a lower intensity, the more likely you're going to take for those solid foods. But being mindful that, um, you know, not to have too much, mm. but have enough that's going to get you to the finish line. Um, so. Yeah, with the bars, um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a personal preference on mm. how you access those calories. But obviously the faster you go, the quicker you want that fuel. Um, so, you know, gels is gonna be probably the majority of your calories with a bit of solid food. Mm. And then sort of uh, the runners that are gonna be out there for a bit longer, it's probably gonna be less gels, but a bit more sort of solid foods. That's great advice. So, yeah. And just understanding the calories, just yeah. reminding people to do that. Exactly. That a bar, if you were to take a bar thinking you're equating it to a gel, yeah, you're going right. to get in trouble. So you, making you, sure you're aware that half a bar yeah. is roughly equal to a gel. Yeah, spot on. Well, I think that covers off the products really well. I would um, yeah, really encourage our runners to get out there and try this product in the lead up to the race. We will be having these gels out on course. Yep, gels um, and the tabs. And the tabs, absolutely. Yeah. So training with it um, will be a really good way for them to yeah. dial down their particular strategy and remembering that if you do that in training, the chances of you needing to troubleshoot on race day will be greatly reduced. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, just know your numbers and prepare. Preparation is key to this event. It's, absolutely. Uh, Thanks, Daryl. Thank you.